Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, we're, we're going to go back today into Matthew. We took a break from Matthew for a while, but we're going to go right back into looking at the book of Matthew. So we're up to chapter 12. And we're going to talk in chapter 12 about something that I think is very important for all of us. It's going to talk about freedom, the king's freedom. Because we've been talking as we've been going through Matthew about the great king. And we're going to talk about the king's freedom and what that means for you and I. But I want to start off before we look at the passage and ask a question of you. And I don't need a response. I don't need a verbal response. It's the kind of question that you need to ponder and answer to yourself in your heart. Now, here's the question. Do you really want to know Jesus intimately? That's my question. Do you want to know Jesus intimately. What do you mean by that, George? Well, here's the thing. Jesus died so that you would be forgiven of your sins, but he also reconciled you to God so that you could now, once again, have a relationship with him just like Adam and Eve had with him in the garden before they sinned. You can have that relationship again, but the question is, do you want that relationship? Now, some of you immediately are making, thinking up in your mind, you're thinking of excuses. Well, well, you know, that's not possible because of... The, no, no, I didn't ask you to think of excuses why it's not possible. I'm asking you to think for a moment, do you want it? We'll get to the other thing in a minute. First of all, do you want it? That's the question. I'm not asking you the other stuff and the excuses and why it can't happen. I'm asking you, do you want an intimate relationship with God? That's what you've got to ask yourself here. Hopefully, the answer in your heart is, yeah, I want that. Now, if you say, well, I'm not sure how to get it, or I've already messed up, there's no way I can get it, we'll we'll talk about that. But I just want to know, first of all, do you want it? Because that's the key thing you've got to ask yourself, is do you want it? And if you want it, then you say, well, how can I get it, in spite of all this other stuff? Well, what we're going to do is, is as we go through this passage of Scripture, Matthew chapter 12, we're just going to look at eight verses today, We're going to see that we might have to get some things in our mind right about God. Because probably the thing that's hindering you from that relationship with him is that you maybe have a wrong perception of God and what he wants for you and what he thinks for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because it's kind of like a human relationships. What do you mean by that, George? Well, let's say, okay, let's take Brad here. Brad and I have known each other now for a long time. 16 years, almost 16 years now. And let's say, but let's say in these 16 years, I don't have a relationship with Brad. I'd like to have a relationship with Brad, but I'm, I'm, I'm not going to try to reach out to Brad because in my mind, I've got these things that I'm thinking that Brad must think about me. So I don't even try because I'm thinking, well, Brad doesn't like me because of how tall I am. Or Brad doesn't like me because he's a vegan and I eat cheeseburgers. He's not a vegan, though, okay? But did you understand? I've got these concepts that, you know, that Brad's thinking something in his mind and therefore 
I'm not going to try because I've already made up my mind about the possibility and it can't happen. You know, like I saw Brad in Walmart 15 years ago and I cut him off and I've never forgotten that. You know, do you know what I'm saying? No, that didn't happen, okay? But don't we do that kind of thing with other people? You do it with God. I can't have that relationship with God because I did this. I can't have that relationship with God because I didn't do this. I can't have that relationship with God because I messed up. You've already determined in your mind what you can't do with God because of you. Do you understand what I'm saying? You've developed a wrong perception of God. You've got God wrong. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk today about getting God wrong. How are we going to do that? Because, listen, we're going to talk today about Jesus' confrontation. Chapter 12 is Jesus' confrontation with people who think they got their act together spiritually. You ever met a religious church person and how they just kind of ooze out to you perfection? That they got it together spiritually? You ever met somebody like that? I've met somebody like that. And usually those kind of people make you feel like you'll never be able to be accepted by God because you're not like them. And some of you are even saying, well, I don't even want to be like them. And that's okay too. But that's where you got God wrong. So let me just point out a couple things to you about our wrong thinking. We really don't understand God and what he asks of us. Because we have this wrong perception of God, a lot of time it has to do with the fact that we don't understand God and what he asks of us. Do you understand what I'm saying? Your concept of God, can I be honest with you, is probably has been developed because of your exposure to church in the past, depending on what kind of church it was, and your exposure to Christians who kind of told you about God. And a lot of times Christians will tell you what God doesn't want and doesn't like and what he is upset about. That's a lot of times people, when they talk about God, is what God's upset about. Is that not true? And so we don't really understand God. And we don't understand what he asks of us. Here's the second thing I want you to see. This causes us to gravitate towards legalism. What do you mean by that, George? Well, whether we like it or not, because we don't understand God and our perception of God and what he wants from us comes from the church and what other people say, especially other Christians say, we tend to think in terms of Christianity and our life with Christ and the life that I'm supposed to live for Jesus in terms of, are you ready for this, a list of do's and don'ts, a list of rules, a list of where you can't go to eat, a list of what you can't watch on TV, a list of this and a list of that. Do you understand what I'm saying? How you're supposed to dress, how you're not supposed to dress. A list of this, of that, and other. You know, do you understand what I'm saying? It's a list of rules. We think of it in terms of legalism. We say, well, George, I don't have any legalistic things that I'm worried about. Are you sure? Are you sure? Every one of you has legalisms, whether you realize it or not. You have in your mind, whether you like it or not, what a Christian should act like or what a Christian should do or what a church person should do or shouldn't do, and you have it in your mind, and you will often pull it out and you will condemn others because of it. Do you understand what I'm saying? You'll condemn others because of it. I can't believe that they showed up with that. Where did that come from? Your legalism. I can't believe that they actually, I saw them at that restaurant. 
why would they go there? Why would they go to Burger King when they know that the pastor loves McDonald's? Really? That's legalism, isn't it? And it rules our lives. We're, we're, we gravitate towards it. Here's the thing. When you and I don't understand him and what he wants from us, we will have a tendency to gravitate towards legalism, and the gravitation towards legalism has to do with what your exposure has been to church in the past and what other Christians have told you. Do you understand what I'm saying? But here's what I want to share with you. If you truly understand what the Bible teaches, and we're going to look at that here in chapter 12, you'll understand that there's freedom. The king, the great king, Jesus, has freedom for you. And that's what we want to grasp. So I want you to notice the passage with me, okay? Look with me, if you're in chapter 12, let's look at the first eight verses. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields of the Sab- on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck the heads of grain and to eat. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. And he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, when, and he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read that in the law that on the Sabbath the, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? Yet I say to you that there is, yet I say to you that in this place there is one greater than the temple. But if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would have not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Now here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to take these eight verses, and we're going to take it into three additional sections. We're going to look, first of all, at rigid standards, because that's what we do in church. Whether we like it or not, we have rigid standards. We're going to talk about grace, because Jesus is going to give a couple of illustrations to illustrate to us grace. And some of you need to understand what grace is. Some of you have no clue what that is, and you need to understand grace. And then finally, we're going to see the nature of God because you and I need to understand freedom. And the only way we're going to understand freedom is to understand who God is and what he wants from his word, not from what somebody else told you. Do you understand? So let's notice, first of all, the rigid rigid standards. Verse 1 and 2. Here's what's going on. Matthew is telling us that Jesus and his disciples were traveling and they were going through a grain field. And it doesn't say that Jesus did this, but his disciples got hungry. Now, I'll explain to you what's going on here. The law, they lived by the Mosaic law. The law allowed for the poor, as they were going through the grain fields, to grab some grain off of the wheat and kind of thresh it in their hands and then eat the wheat as a way to feed themselves. They were allowed to do that. So here these guys are. They're doing what's allowed. They're walking through the grain fields. They're hungry. There's no McDonald's nearby. So they reach over, grab some grain, rub it in their hands, and they eat it. But what happens is, is as they're doing it, there's these religious people, these Pharisees, who are more interested in having the outward appearance and, quote, keeping the law 
they see them and they begin to accuse them of doing what was not lawful on the Sabbath. Now, let me just stop for a moment. What was not lawful on the Sabbath? Well, the Sabbath, the law said that you would not work on the Sabbath. So, so these guys interpreted it that as meaning that when you just grabbed a few heads of grain and thrust them in your hand, that was work. Pretty ridiculous, isn't it? But that's what I'm talking to you about, rigid law. So here's a couple things I want you to see. There is a tendency to expand and amplify God's commands. There is a tendency among people today, we do it here in our church, to expand and amplify God's commands. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's a tendency to do that. It goes all the way back to the garden. Remember God told them, don't eat of the tree of good, good and evil. But when you hear Eve talking to Satan, she's expanded it and says, I'm not supposed to touch it. God said, don't eat from it. Didn't say anything about touching it. We do the same thing. God may tell us something in his word, but then all of a sudden it becomes a law that we expand upon it and say, don't do this in its place. That's what's happening here. God said, don't work on the Sabbath. He didn't say if you were hungry, you couldn't grab an apple off the tree and eat it. But that's what they were saying there. That was harvesting. They weren't supposed to. They expanded God's law into some kind of rigid ritual for everybody to keep. Now, I want you to think for a moment. Every one of you here, listen to me. We're going to do an exercise. Now, you don't need to share it. I just want you to do it in your mind. Every one of you here, when, whether you grew up in church or not, knows that there are certain things that you're not allowed to do because you're a Christian, right? Every one of them. You've got in your mind what you're not allowed to do. Now, the question is, whatever it is, is it in the Bible or did somebody expand it? What do you mean? A lot of times the things that we were told to do and not to do to be a good Christian isn't even in the Bible, but somebody took something from the Bible and expanded it into a law to keep. Remember when Kerbinsville had the branding iron? How many of you didn't go to the branding iron because you were told not to go there? Do you know what I'm saying? So you missed out on steak night. Do you know what I'm saying? Why weren't you allowed to go there? Well, because of what kind of place? Where does it say that? Somebody expanded, see, rigid, rigid regulations. Somebody expanded what God's word said, and you, and if you happened to go there because maybe there was a party and, and you walked in there and you're like, I hope nobody sees me in here. And then somebody does. And you kind of wink at each other and say, I won't tell on you if you don't tell on me, right? Right? Isn't that what we did? Why? There's a tendency to expand and amplify God's command. Here's the second thing I want you to see there. Those who, who, those who transgress the expanded commandments are condemned. Isn't that what we do? Can't believe they went to there. Don't they know better? We condemn them. Some of you here today 
think that you're not right with God because you didn't follow through, listen to me, you didn't follow through, not on the commandment of God, but on the expanded commandment of God, some tradition that somebody held to. And so you don't think that you're worthy before God. See, that's rigid regulations. But I want you to notice how Jesus responds to that. Notice how he responds. He responds to it with two stories. First is the story of David fleeing from Saul. He goes to the temple and he gets some showbread, which was not legal for him to eat, and he eats it. He gives it to his men. And then the story of the priests working on the, on the Sabbath in the temple. Here's a couple of things I want you to see about grace. Grace, because God is gracious. And here's what I want you to understand about God. And some of you, this will blow your mind. Here's the thing. Jesus is saying this. Number one, through the story of David, the bigger picture is more important than the letter of the law. The bigger picture is more important than the letter of the law. Listen to this. He does it through the illustration of David. The priest had a bread, the show bread, which was put out in the Holy of Holies. That bread would be out all day long before the presence of God. In the evening, they would take it away and the priests would eat it. The only persons who were allowed to eat that bread were the priests. David shows up. He's got no supplies. He says to Abimelech, the high priest, Hey, is there anything here for me to eat? And he said, There's only the show bread, which he's not allowed to eat. But the priest who has a bigger picture and the priest who understands grace says, make sure that you haven't done this and you can have it. See, here's the thing I want you to understand. Some of you are living your lives in so much defeat because you didn't keep up with what grandma told you to do or some preacher told you to do. And to be honest with you, it's not even in the Bible. It's just some expanded commandment. And your concept of God is is God God doesn't like you because you didn't keep that standard. I'm trying to tell you something here. Listen to me. God's got a bigger picture in mind than the letter of the law. God is a gracious God who understands that you might make a mistake and fail. Are you sure about that, George? Listen to me. Psalm 37. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in him. Though he yet stumble, he will not utterly be cast down for the Lord upholds him with his hand. What's he saying there? God orders your life. He delights in your life. But though you stumble, and folks, do we stumble? Is anybody perfect here? Perfect people, please leave. You're not in the right place. Anybody perfect here? Though you yet stumble, here's what it says. God doesn't let you utterly fall down on your face. It's like the picture of a kid, little baby. You're teaching them to walk. When you're teaching, remember teaching your little ones to walk? Here, here's a little one. Corey's got a little one right there. When that little one walks, Corey's going to, oh, you just walk and bust your face all you want. No, he's going to be right there making sure that nothing happens to her, Right? That's what it's saying. Though he yet stumble, he will not utterly be cast down for the Lord upholds him with his hand. God's a gracious God. You've got to grasp that point. God's a gracious God. Here's the second thing I want you to see about grace. God provides allowances for grace for those who follow and serve him. 
You'll never hear that one again, will you? You probably never heard it before, but it's right there. Right there in the text, the priests were not supposed to work on on the Sabbath, but guess what? They're serving in the temple, so guess what they got to do? Work on the Sabbath. God makes allowances. Now, have you ever heard that one before? That's grace. Why? Can I tell you why? Because your salvation has nothing to do with you and what you've done and haven't done. Your salvation has to do with what Jesus did for you and your trust in him because you know that you'll never be able to do enough to gain his love and acceptance. He loves you because Jesus died for you. That's the reality. And he provides forgiveness for you. Here's the other thing I want you to see from the passage. It's the nature of God. We must recognize that God is greater than our religious regulations. You think God's greater than being told you can't go to the branding iron? You better believe it, he is. You think God's greater and understands maybe that you are a kid and you want to read the Sunday comics? Or is he up there saying, I can't believe he's reading the comics? Who does he think he is? He's a kid. We must recognize that God is greater than our religious regulations. That's what's going on here. Here's the other thing. God desires our inner transformation more than our outward conformity. Here's what God's interested in. I want you to hear me. God is more interested in you changing on the inside than he is about your outward perfection and what you kind of appear like to everybody else. You hear me? Church people are worried about whether or not you're acting and looking and going to the right place. Isn't that right? But God's more interested in you changing on the inside than he is on the outward appearance. That's what Jesus is saying here. Don't you know, haven't you read, that I desire mercy more than sacrifice, Jesus says? That's pretty interesting, isn't it? I desire mercy more than sacrifice. That's the nature of God. Now let me ask you a question. You want to get to know that kind of God? Now the God of regulations, you don't want to get to know that kind of God, right? But when I said to you that earlier question, do you want to know that God? Do you want to get to know him? That's the God we're talking about. The God with the bigger picture, the God who loves you, the God of grace. The God who wants you to change from the inside because he understands when you change from the inside, the outward changes as well. Listen, here's the thing. I've used to say this for years. You can train monkeys to go to church. They can come in and be trained in when to sit, when to stand up, when to hold a hymnal, when to sing. May not sing well, but when to sing. Do you understand? You can train monkeys. We're not monkeys, folks. God's not wanting robots. God's wanting transformed people. So what do we do with this? Well, let me ask you a couple questions. Number one, do you feel condemned in your Christian life? Do you feel condemned? It's not hard to think about that one, is it? Maybe you messed up. And chances are you did. 
How do you know that, George? Because we're all human. We mess up. And you did something that maybe the church people wouldn't have liked or didn't like or even talked about. And so you felt like, you really do, you feel like, how can I be the Christian God wants me to be? That's not possible anymore. So do you feel condemned? If you feel that way, I understand it because it's easy to be there. I've been there. Do you feel condemned by your Christian life? Here's the second question. Have you lost sight of God's grace? Kind of goes hand in hand, isn't it? Kind of goes hand in hand because you thought when you messed up there was no hope anymore. God just kind of, you're just kind of like a stepchild that he's tolerating. And the reason why you feel that way is because you don't truly understand the love and grace of God. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? I got four kids. Lori and I got four kids. And do, they're not perfect. Dad's not perfect. And they're not perfect. And so sometimes they do things that are, that are wrong. And, and Dad gets irritated. And sometimes Dad gets upset. And Dad, <clears throat> Dad, but here's the thing. One thing that's never in question is my love for my children. Do you understand what I'm saying? Never in question. That doesn't change. Now, do I get irritated when they do something stupid? You better believe it. Do I react? Oh, yeah. Did you understand? But do they know, hopefully do they know that I love them? I hope they do. Here's what I want you to understand. Does God get irritated when you get messed up? Yes, of course he does, because what you did put his son on the cross. Do you understand me? But does it affect his love for you? No. Don't ever think that it does. He still loves you, still cares for you, still wants what's best for you, still will help you make something of your life even though you messed up. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's grace. Have you lost sight of God's grace? Some of you think that you're too far gone for God's grace. Nobody's too far gone for God's grace. If you're still alive and breathing, there's still grace. So what do we do, George? Well, here's what you do. You've got you to come to a mindset. The only way to come to that mindset is by praying. And here's what I want you to do. You've got to ask the Spirit to help you to focus on inner transformation in your Christian life. You've got to ask God to change you, not in your outward actions, but change you on the inside, inside out. Do you understand what I'm saying? Ask God to change you because he's the only one that's going to change your attitudes. He's the only one that's going to change whatever's going on on the inside of you. He's the only one that's going to change it. The anxieties, the fears, the reasons why you're doing what you're doing. God's the only one who's going to change it. Ask him to do it. God you love me, you care for me, you're gracious to me. Change me. Change me. Because I need changed. And help me to understand that you love me. That's freedom, folks. 
Do you want freedom? I hope we do. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.